Hey, what is up, everyone? This is Gary A. Swaby, and you're now listening to Open the Power Cause. And we are back to cover Raising Canaan Season 2. This is very exciting. Um, I hope you all, you know, enjoyed the, the, the first episode uh, today, you know, when you're watching this. I'm, of course, here with uh, Mrs. Dana Abercrombie. How are you doing, Jane? Hello, everyone. I'm just excited to talk about power. It felt like two years. It felt like the last time we saw this, there was no pandemic or anything. So I'm excited. Yeah, it has felt like a long time. We, we kind of took a break after Force and everything. But yeah, it's felt like a long time. But I'm happy that this show in particular is back. But um, how are you doing, uh, Mr. Richard Bailey Jr.? Doing good, Gary. In uh, Dana, glad to hear you're doing good as well. Yes, I am happy that Power's back. Uh, a power show of quality. I'm not going to talk about uh, force, but uh, yeah, this is. This, I'm, I'm happy to be covering this show again for sure. So looking forward to our discussion today. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I've, I've been looking forward to it. Um, so yeah, we're today we're going to be covering Raising Canaan season two, episode one. The title of this episode is The More Things Change. Um, and yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's quite an episode. It kind of set the tone for the new season. Um, and I, I didn't actually, you know, realize how much I missed the, these characters, you know, until I uh, saw this, you know, episode. So we're going to have lots to say about this, you know, good and bad, of course, because, you know, we have to be objective as well. You know, we have to say say what it really is. Um so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I just want to uh, give everyone a quick reminder. You know, if you do love these types of shows, please do express that in the comments. Let us know. Uh, and also let us know what you want to see more of, you know, on the channel and everything. Um, and please do, you know, if you enjoy the video and you enjoy the content, please do take the time to leave a like. Um, consider also subscribing to the channel and hitting the bell and everything. Um, there are some some new YouTube features as well, you know, that we're, we're going to look into. Um, so, yeah, we do want to expand this PowerCast brand in the future because we know, you know, a lot of you guys love this and we love connecting with you guys and, you know, um, discussing power with everybody else. So, yeah, we're, we're going to look at some ways to expand this experience for you or maybe even create some additional content. But, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. But for now... Let's get into our takeaway segment. Now, in this segment, we, we go to each person and we'll kind of, you know, give uh, give this time. We're going to give three takeaways each of, you know, just the things that stood out to us on a personal level and just kind of give our own perspective on things, you know. Uh, and then later on, we'll have, you know, um, an open discussion and question segment as well. But yeah, for now, we're just doing our takeaways. And since this is the first episode, I am going to go first here. Um, so yeah, let's get to my takeaways. So after seeing this episode, um, it kind of uh, it kind of puts into perspective, uh, you know, just it, it's a reminder of Raquel's dominance of that character, that, that you know, that villainess 
character that we saw at the end of the, the first season, you know, when she was kind of gazing in, at the city, the city of New York, staring at the buildings with that villainous look on her face. It, you know, this this episode kind of showed us that, you know, this is the direction of Raquel in the season. And this is kind of, you know, one of the main focuses that we're going to see. Um, you know, of course, Kanan is the star of the show, but it's like Raquel is the main dominating force that kind of drives this story. Um, and, you know, this kind, this episode kind of uh, solidifies that. So, you know, we see in the beginning, you know, she's finally uh, allowing Kanan to return to New York. You know, she sent him away to protect him after, you know, he shot up Howard and everything. Um, so Kanan returns and, you know, immediately we see that she's kind of taken over a whole project building. And, you know, she has like a whole new system in place where she can operate her business, you know, um, and kind of not attract any attention from the, the police. Um, and, you know, what fascinates me about this is, um, you know, just the the degree to which she's doing this. It's like she's, you know, she, she didn't just like take over the building and throw everyone out, but she, she's, she has the residents in there and she's kind of acting like, the owner of this property and she's like kind of managing the residents, you know, their, their needs and everything. Like she's making sure that they're accommodated, but also doing her own business so that, you know, there's no discrepancies and stuff. So she's like very controlling of this whole situation. And I think that's going to be a fun dynamic to see her um, contend with in this season to see how she's able to balance that especially because um, in this episode, she sh she shows that she kind of wants to expand even, like she wants to take over another building or something, she says. So, you know, I want to see if that actually happens, if that comes to fruition, you know, in this season. Um, but yeah, like, it seems like she's, she, she's very in control of the situation. And she also comes across as slightly manipulative, just the way that she speaks to Kanan um you know uh with regards to howard because obviously she she knows that there's a possibility that howard is 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 kanan's father but like she kind of she she uh she basically talks to kanan like and and puts into him um a certain type of ignorance to where you know he doesn't fully know the situation of what's going on um, but she's kind of warning him to stay away from Howard and, you know, all this stuff um, and, and kind of saying that, you know, he, he, Howard is messed up. He's, you know, whatever, like, so she, she's kind of planting seeds in his mind to keep him away from that, like, so that he continues his life without the Howard connection. Um, so, yeah, she's coming across very manipulative in that sense. Um and yeah, so uh, I I just really enjoy her character. I love watching her. I love seeing what she gets up to. Uh, and uh, this episode kind of, you know, makes her stand out a lot to me again. So uh, my, my next takeaway is I love the hip hop elements. Like, you know, um, Rich knows I'm very much into, you know, hip hop and the industry and everything, rap and everything. So I, I just love that this show has that element because the 90s was uh, the hip hop renaissance, if you will. Um, it was like the, the time where the 
the, uh, the genre of music was really blowing up and becoming mainstream. You know, you had people like Diddy and Jay-Z and Nas and stuff who were like becoming megastars in that era. So like this is kind of set in that era and it kind of like Lulu's um, Lulu's journey here kind of shows that from from both the street side and the industry side, because there's always kind of like a clash between those cultures, between like, you know, the uh, the music industry culture and the street culture. So, you know, Lulu finds himself binded to the street element because he's, you know, he's working with his sister, Raquel. Um, and that's another way in which she's manipulative, by the way, because it's like she's trying to guilt trip Lulu um, into, you know, h- him having his own passion and business. She kind of guilt trips him a little bit. But um, but yeah, that's going back to the first thing. But just, you know, going back to Lulu, um, I just like that he has something else that really defines his character, his passion and who he is. And this I think this music side of things really shows that. Um, it seems like there's going to be some tension between him and Crown, I think his name is, uh, who's the other guy that, you know, runs the studio with him. Um, of course, we see, you know, the, uh, his uh, Lulu's girlfriend, Jessica, she's uh, being she's being very promiscuous in this episode. So, um, you know, there's there's some tension there, it looks like. Um, and, you know, Crown was even talking about sending like ha- having her get a job somewhere else so i want to see how that's going to affect lulu if that happens um and yeah I, I just i just really like that they have that element so like already like if i if i go back to force right the thing this show is doing perfectly is it's it's given it's giving all the side characters substance it's giving them all stories that we care about right Whereas Force, like the side characters, they just existed. And there was like no, there was nothing that made us care about them, really. Like their side stories wasn't that, you know, there wasn't much substance to them. But this show is giving everybody a focus. And I like that. And I, you know, I really like Lulu's focus in this show with the hip hop elements. um, Because a lot was happening in hip hop around that time. And I want to see how far they push that, um, you know, push that element. So... Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see. Um, and, you know, my third my third takeaway is, um, I guess, you know, just looking at Kanan's, um, how Kanan was in this episode. So his arc in this episode was kind of like, you know, once he got back to New York, he was kind of unsure about his, his own path and whether he wanted to, to take the same path as his mother. So like in, in the first season, he seemed very much uh, determined to be a part of what his mother had going on, the business. Like that was his focus. He wanted to be in the mix. He wanted to be a part of it. But this time we're seeing a slightly different side where he's kind of like questioning it a little bit, um, you know, and I think he has a conversation with uh, with somebody else, I think maybe Laverne. Um, he has a conversation with, you know, Laverne slash Jukebox and kind of, you know, um, says he, he talks to her about his, you know, his insecurities about being a part of this lifestyle. And then he later has a conversation with his mother as well, you know, where he basically kind of says like, um, yeah, he, he doesn't feel like he's really cut out for it. Um, 
I don't think that is going to be, you know, the the ultimate end game. I don't think that's what's going to actually happen. Like Kanan just drifts, like he decides to not be a part of the life. But I think he's, you know, he's just, he's becoming more conscious at this point, I think. And he's starting to question things more. Um, I mean, we, we all know how Kanan ends up in power. So obviously he does go into that lifestyle. But at this point, it seems like he's starting to draw away from it. So I think that's going to be an interesting element to see because it's kind of a, a, a perfect contrast to what we saw in the first season where, you know, he was just breaking bad, basically. He was just like, you know, he wanted to be that, you know, bad boy kind of thing. Um, but in this one, he's kind of, he has like more of a human side. And maybe it's because he was away in VA with his family and maybe that put some some more humility inside of him to like bond with his family and stuff. So I want to see how his his character um, kind of changes throughout the season. I think that could be very interesting to see. Um, so yeah, those are my three takeaways. I'm sorry if I talked a little too long there, but yeah, those are my three takeaways. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to seeing what you, you both have. And I'm trying to decide who I should pick on first here. Um, <laughs> um, Hmm. I'm I'm gonna go with Dana just because like I, I really want to know what she she has to say. So Dana, hit us with your three takeaways. I'm gonna hit you with my best shot. Um, first of all, you stole my takeaways, so I'm gonna just say what you said, but like in different words. Um, one of the biggest takeaways was what they didn't show, and that would be the vacation that Kanan went on. When he was in Virginia, you know, it wasn't exactly a vacation. It's like, oh, it's time to go to aunties. It was more of a, we're going to make sure you're not murdered. So it's time to go to your aunties. And with that kind of stress that he was dealing with, having to care for his mother, and also trying to run, help run this business, and also trying to become a man. Because everything that happened to Caden, I felt that he was too young to experience. But I guess, what better way to get experienced in the gang lifestyle than young so that when you're older you already know what you're doing and you can build your empire so start them young um my thing here is it was a lot that he was juggling with by the end of the finale and this time what we didn't get to see but alluded to a lot was him just being a kid you had that conversation with between him and his cousins remember he was eric and the other one and how they was like we're gonna go to new york and think it's all big and bad and he's like no i would rather you know switch places with y'all and stay here there was a comfortability and a relaxation that he had it was like he was able to be not only just a kid but the whole weight of the world was finally off his shoulders that should have never been on his shoulders to begin with you know we saw him at the beach something so simple that you, you people would take advantage of and not you not take advantage but people won't understand the the importance of just being able to go to the beach and just relaxing and watching the waves because when you see him later go back to new york city what is the first thing that happens when he gets in that car and they start crossing over state lines he has a panic attack he starts panicking in the car and that's when raquel is like i got you i got you i got you so you can see the emotional stress that is on this kid 
And it is it's a lot. So once he gets back into New York City and he's back into the apartments and he's in the building that his mother t- took over very well and how she was able to do that, you see him having the code switch. That innocent little child that he is with his cousins and being on the beach and just being able to think and relax and playing with, you know, younger kids, that's over with. Now it's time for him to be a man. And he easily has to take in all of the information when he's walking out of the building. He's like, what? remember when he goes into the elevator and he walks in and he completely turns into his New Jack City situation, he automatically has to switch over and change his body language. And, you know, before it might be like a little, you know, that relaxed tone that you have in your body. Now you're like, let me pay attention. Who's this guy? Who's that? And taking all that information. So you see him having that switch very easily. Uh, so that was one of the biggest takeaways for me. Another one has to do with as much as we praise the writing of a show, no show is 100% perfect. And the flaw for me landed with Omar. Omar Epps has Howard character. It's not so much as Howard character. It was everything that was built up on the finale that could have easily kind of passed over and, and then when we get into the um, the opening for the season two premiere it just seemed like that magical fairy tale that you know here's a quick band-aid to everything that we caused remember he had cancer he was dying he had cancer um there was a bullet that that went and ripped through his lungs and his body and we didn't know whether or not he was going to die then on top of that, remember the bone marrow situation. He was trying to find someone for it to be a bone marrow, and that was a big thing. Because remember, he had no family, so therefore he was automatically a death sentence. Because no one really liked him in terms of friends. You didn't see people lining up. So like, that's the right man. I'm gonna go get tested for you. And there were so many things that he was facing. But you know, we put that quick little bandaid on. All of a sudden, I no longer have cancer. What? It ripped right through my lungs, but now I'm just magically healed. That guy who was the random police officer who came to make sure that I was okay, who never knew me before, but brotherhood of the cops, he donated his bone marrow, and everything is perfect. Memory loss? What memory loss? I remember everything. I hated that with a passion that burns to the equivalent of herpes. Never had herpes, but I'm pretty sure it burns. Or monkeypox in this situation. We heard it burns. I hated that so incredibly much. I understand if you wanted to him to, you know, be able to live longer come the second season, but just the right away, and, oh, this happened. And then you're telling us, you're not showing us. You're just randomly telling us everything that happened. And then we have that lingering of what's going on with the memory loss. But again, because how they played it with the music and the close-up, we knew he didn't have any memory loss. Uh, so nothing was really sustained. And that suspense that they built so long with the finale just went to smothering, smothering. It was smothering and smothering. Um, so that's the second takeaway. And lastly, Raquel. Raquel is a sociopath. We know how Kanan ends up, and we know that he ends up becoming a sociopath, too. And this is basically, you know, nature versus nurture. And it's a combination of both for him, unfortunately, with Kanan. His mother is gaslighting him this entire episode when he had a conversation, as you pointed out, Gary, of um, I'm not cut out for this. I don't think I should do this anymore. You know, instead of listening to his son, she kept saying everything that I did was for you. 
So basically, if you're not do this, I did it for nothing. That's a terrible thing to say to a child and very manipulative. And Raquel, you know, she, there's a level of self-centeredness that she had in the first season that you, there was something, it was a late leeway that she was able to have. Remember when Kanan wanted to originally go to LaGuardia and she was really pushing for him to go to LaGuardia. I believe it was LaGuardia right when LaGuardia opened. I might be wrong with the school, but anyway, she wanted him to go to this new and she was really upset that he didn't and he purposely failed the class and she wanted this better life for him and then now all of a sudden well this is what you chose you have to stick with this as if people are not given options anymore uh so she's just turned into this complete ruthless monster uh in terms of parenting she's awful at it but then at the same time you see this her being really sympathetic and kind of really loving towards a jukebox that whole situation when or when she blew up, when Jukebox and Marvin just basically blew up at each other, she became up this sense of comfort and, you know, it's all right, baby, it's okay. But when it comes to Kanan, you know, well, I did this all for nothing, wasted my time. So, yeah, Raquel is, is terrible. So that's what I have to say so far. Okay, yeah, though. Excellent takeaways. I'm glad you brought up the, the Howard thing. Yeah, because we, we might have to have a little talk about that later on. But um yeah, I, I agree. That was that seemed a little a little too quick, you know, the way things were moving. But uh yeah, uh, great takeaways, great points all over there. Um so thank you very much, Dana. Uh, you have something else to say real quick? I see you unmuted no, your mic. Just I'm really upset about what happened with Howard. <laughs> I'm just really upset what happened with Howard. That's all. Like, that's just unforgettable for me. That's the same. Oh, yeah. God oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're going to get deeper into that in a little bit, you know, when we get to our open discussion and stuff. But um, let's see what, you know, the, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Richard Bailey Jr. has to say about this episode. Like, what are your three takeaways, Rich? Uh, first and foremost, excellent takeaways by both you and Dana, as always. Um, and I'm going to copy what Dana said and say that you also took one of my takeaways as well, Gary. Uh, well, the both of you did now. So I'm going to start with that first. Um, what I did like about this episode for my first takeaway, I, I like that they really emphasized the fact that now Kanan is having second thoughts about being a part of the family business. Um, I, now, I will say that uh, I know when we recorded this show last season, we had uh, conversation at the, at the end of the season finale, wondering if they were going to show Virginia. Um, but I like the fact that they took a three month span of time. They took time away, but yet when they came back, everything picked up right where it left off. So I thought that was excellent as far as how they timed the storytelling. But uh, yeah, you know, after spending the summer, I believe it was uh, in Sandbridge Beach, Virginia. That's where Kanan was at. He was having second thoughts about still being involved. Um, his aunt Deb did mention that uh, she could have enrolled him in high school there, but Raquel told her that wasn't necessary, and she decided to bring him back. Now, as Dana mentioned, and you well, you both mentioned, Kanan did have a talk with Jukebox. He did tell her his insecurities, and then he thought that there was more to life than being a part of the family business. Um, and I also find it interesting that in this episode, 
you know, Symphony, who is the one that drove Kanan to Virginia when Raquel asked him, he tells Raquel that Kanan was scared. And that's what prompts Raquel to decide to talk to Kanan at the end of the episode. Now, I do want everybody to pay attention if you're watching on video. My name in this episode is Symphony's Therapist because this entire episode, he was hardly in it. You know, he was he was hardly on the show because he was talking to me about how should I deal with this Raquel situation? And I told him, you need to tell her what's going on with Kanan. So I'm glad to see that that has happened now in the show. Um, I'll be curious to see what happens with Symphony and Raquel moving forward because it kind of feels as though they were a little distant when they had that conversation at the end. And I agree with everything that you all said about Raquel and the mindset that she has because when she had that conversation with Kanan, you know, Kanan pretty much says he got in this because he wanted to protect her. And then she flips it, flips it around to him and says, no, it's her job to protect him. So playing these Jedi mind tri- tricks, if you will, with her son, with the manipulation, all this other stuff, it makes me very curious to see what's going to happen. But um, uh, Patina Miller is an excellent actress. I really do hope in the future she gets some type of Emmy. Recon- recon- uh, uh, she gets recognized for an Emmy for this particular show, but we'll see what happens. But yeah, uh, looking forward to seeing what, what comes uh, from Kanan moving forward. And I like the fact that they did start off the season with him having second thoughts. We already know, and you know as well if you're a power fan, that Kanan does not have se- – well, Kanan actually does go down the bad path. So it's a lot of bad stuff that I would assume is going to happen to him, though, this season. But we'll have to wait and see what that actually is. Uh, my second takeaway from this episode is I'm wondering what does the future hold for Unique? At the end of the finale last year, you saw that, you know, the way they set everything up is that they made it look like Unique shot Howard. And you find out in this episode that he finally, eventually he got out of jail because they couldn't prove that he actually did the shooting. And Howard kept saying he didn't remember anything. So uh, the question is, is Unique going to try to get his power back? You saw in this episode that uh, his right-hand man, Worrell, uh, that is somebody who now... Uh, Raquel wants to get on her team to make sure she can take away any power that uh, Unique would have once he gets out of jail. So very smart strategy by her to do that because, again, she's trying to make sure that he is not able to try to get his try to get back to where he was at. But we already know with, the, with this show being titled Power, he's probably going to try to find a way to get back to how he's going to get back to the top. But we'll have to wait and see how that actually uh, turns out. One thing I do question about uh, this particular episode with Unique, we saw in this episode that while he was in jail, there was a guy that was about to get jumped and Unique stepped in and helped the guy out. Now, that just seemed like a regular exchange, like nothing will come from that. But I'm curious to know, now that Unique is out, is it possible down the road that he runs runs into somebody that knows this guy and they may do him a favor or something like that? I mean, I'm very curious because I kind of feel like they put that exchange in there for a reason. I don't know what the reason is yet, but uh, I, I'm very curious to see if that leads to something in the future. Or maybe that guy gets out and he helps Unique to some degree. We'll have to wait and see. But um, I, I think Joey Badass, once again, excellent actor and also an excellent rap artist. So I'm very glad to see that he's back and the fact that he's out because I know 
when we talked about this last season, we didn't think he would get out right at the beginning of this season. We figured he'll probably be in jail maybe half the season or a few episodes. So the fact that he got out right at the very beginning, it's just, it's, it's very great. It will, it sets up a lot of suspense moving forward to make you guess as to what's going to happen once he gets out and once he eventually confronts uh, Raquel. So looking forward to seeing what happens with that. Um, And my final takeaway from this episode is I'm questioning can Marvin and Jukebox reconnect? Because you saw in this episode, we all know what happened last season and the exchange that they had, how traumatic that experience was for her. And she went through a lot of stuff last season, but then also to go through this stuff with your own father, that could that, that definitely, definitely left some scars. You saw in this episode, they had the very awkward family dinner exchange where he was trying to talk to her and she didn't really say much to him. And they mentioned that he hadn't seen her for three months outside of one cookout that he saw her at briefly that they had a family cookout, but he hasn't really spoken to her. Obviously Marvin is now also an anger management uh, has a therapist named Renee, who I think we can all agree at some point, he's probably going to hook up with Renee. You can see that coming from a mile away, but um, Marvin has a lot on his plate right now. But the question I do have is what's going to happen with him in jukebox as the season goes on. You do know that jukebox, she did she did start smoking cigarettes. This is like one of the things that Kanan pointed out when they had their conversation because he thought he's surprised all of a sudden that she's smoking now. Uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of the traumatic stuff she has gone through is leading to these decisions. And again, we know her, how her story ends. So, uh, But there's a lot more bad things that are going to happen to both her and Kanan before they get to the original power in which you see how those characters evolved as they got older. So I look forward to seeing that. You did also see that she found a picture of her mom when she was a baby. And my guess is that she may try and seek her out. I know they had already announced before this season started that Latoya Luckett was going to be playing her mom. So we will definitely see her mom at some point this season, I would assume. But I'm just very curious to see what happens between her and Marvin moving forward, because clearly there's a lot of tension that's still there. Marvin is trying to become a better father to some degree but he has a lot of issues he needs to work out. And um, I just look forward to seeing how it's all going to turn out. But uh, yes, everyone, like I said, as far as the show returning, I'm glad that the show is back. I do agree that the Howard thing is a very interesting conversation. We are going to talk about that as well. But uh, so far, I'm, I was happy with the premiere. I'm looking forward to seeing where things go from here. And I think it perfectly sets up what you can expect for the rest of the season. So... Oh yeah, yeah. Excellent takeaways there. Cause uh, you know, I know you said uh we 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 said some stuff you went to say, but you brought up a lot of stuff right there, you know, with the geek <laughs> yeah. and jukebox. So so yeah, the, uh excellent takeaways right there. And and we're we're definitely gonna talk more about uh those things in just a minute. Um, but you know, before we get there, just friendly reminder to everyone, you know, please do if you're enjoying this discussion, please hit the like button consider subscribing to the channel and you know hit the bell as well to be notified and all that and leave a comment uh we we love to hear your comments let us know what you think of uh this premiere episode of raising canaan season two uh we want to get all of your thoughts because we love reading those comments and replying and everything like that so yeah all that good stuff uh you can also follow us on the instagram account uh powercast show 
Um, and you know, you can, uh, you can set, like some of your comments that you leave on the YouTube and on the Instagram, we might actually take that and make discussions of them in the show. And we might, uh, uh, we, we will credit you, you know, when we do that. So please do get engaged with us, you know, make sure you're engaging with, with all the content and stuff. Um, cause we want you guys to be part of this experience too. So it is what it is, but. Let's get to our questions and discussion segment because I, I feel like this is going to be a good one. So we we have to start with this Howard thing, you know, is 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 a big deal right now. It's the elephant in the room. Um, so you know, Richard actually broke down the timeline a little bit, and you know, I was going to kind of uh, explain based on that as well because you know we we did see that uh, this kind of picks up right where the first left off. You know, um, after I think it was it three months, Rich was he in VA for three months, right? So Kanan was in VA for three months. So you know, you mean to tell me that you know Howard was shot? You know, he was shot, and before he was shot, he had leukemia, cancer, and he was like getting very close to the end. You know, uh, when we saw him previously in the first season, so I I just thought it's not realistic that they would have done all of that in three months, like have him completely cured, um, you know, and healed his, his gunshot wounds or whatever, like in three months, like that's a bit unrealistic, you know, and, and especially the fact that he's just walking around, like he's back to full health basically. Um, so yeah, that timeline thing kind of is a bit iffy. Um, so do you guys think like, uh, it, it just comes across as like a, a a convenience. It's one of those m- convenience things that they're doing to kind of bring the story along. But does how much does this throw you off? And then I guess as an additional question to that, um, do you think that um, do you think that Howard will go on to protect Kanan? So you know, it's a two part question. First of all, how do you feel about this? This you know him just being miraculous, m- miraculously healed. Um, after all that trauma he experienced, you know, with his illness and then being shot, you know, how do you feel about that? And then the second part is, you know, now that he is back to full health, you know, how, like, you know, what is going to be his approach with with Kanan now? Because I, he obviously does remember what happened. He's just trying to protect him. So, you know, is he kind of going to kind of break bad a little bit and to, to protect Kanan maybe, you know, that, that, that raises a question. So, um, Dana, I know you feel strongly about this, you know, about this Howard thing. So let me know your thoughts on this. Okay. So here's the thing. It's believable. My issue is just how quickly it happened. Remember it happened during the summer. He was able to recuperate and do the, the physical therapy and make sure that the cancer and everything was out of his body. That's believable, but the three months, my thing is, but as a viewer, I'm just coming back to his show and everything happened on screen. So I'm angry about that because I wanted to see that. And also you made it so dire during the finale. Now it's like, oops, we're done. You know, so, and I I understand timeline wise, it would make sense because three months to recuperate. He's, you know, he's walking, but he's, he's struggling still. So that's okay. Um, so the thing is, do I think he would protect Kane? First of all, remember, he's a little seedy to begin with. So him even just doing the DNA test was 
illegal in that regard. Um, but I he went. I don't know what I can. I cannot say. Um, my issue is that I think he's willing to do everything in his power to go against Raquel. He knows what happens. What happened to him? In regards to who shot him and everything else, he's looking a little funny. Remember, he had um, Cannon's case open when he went back into the home, so he knows kind of what was going on. Um, so I feel that everything they do will go against Raquel is to get at her. I don't see him directly threatening. Kane in that regards, but if he does, it's more like do this and this and this for me. And then here's another guilt trip. Hey, you did kind of shoot me, so you owe me this. And it would be to guilt Kanan into doing something. Um, maybe he will use Kanan as a tool against his mother, but here's the next thing you don't do. You don't use Kanan against his mother. We kind of seen some situations previously where they thought they could use Kanan, and and that doesn't go very well. Uh, so I feel that this is more in terms of trying to get Kanan to break away from his mother. So he's going to use it in that regard. Again, I don't know what I can and cannot say. So I feel that it would be more of, he's going to be more problematic this season. interesting yeah interesting take um yeah like there's obviously there's a there's a lot of um um it's it's a it's a big morality issue because he is a police officer but he obviously knows what's going on with Raquel and her brothers but then now you know he's also um he he has knowledge of you know Kanan being his son. You know, I mean, we saw he did the DNA test in the last season and everything when he got Kanan's DNA and stuff. So like you know, he as far as he knows, like Kanan is his son, and you know, it, it seems like he wants to protect him and um, hopefully be a part of his life. So I want to see how that affects him as an officer, assuming he's going to go back to duty. You know, once he actually you know makes a full recovery and you know he's back you know doing his policing and stuff like i want to see how that affects him because it's it's a big morality issue at that point um and i guess raquel is going to be a big point of contention go ahead go ahead then oh i'm wondering is it actually manipulation uh you kind of cow a little bit there did you say it again Sorry, I'm saying that I was wondering: is it protection or is it manipulation? On Howard's behalf or Raquel? Yeah, on Howard's behalf. Is, is it want to protect think, crazy mother, or I want to get back at your crazy mother? I think I think Howard's intentions are honest because I think like if you like a son is a big deal for a man. Like if you have a son. You want to be part of his life. You want to be part of his upbringing. You want to instill your values in him as well. Um, so I think it's it's a lot of that. But I do think he feels some spite towards Raquel as well. Like I, you know, he does have some resentment for her, of course. And I think that is going to come into play. 
but I think the need to protect Canaan is stronger at this point. But um, Rich, what would you? What's your thoughts? See, on I this just topic? wonder because if you look at how. Oh, oh no! Go, finish off what you were saying, Dana, and then you know Richard can go next. Sorry, slight delay. I was just wondering because if you look at how Canada father to his own son, it really wasn't that, oh, you're my firstborn, I really care about you situation. So I wonder if the traits that he passed down to his son before he killed his son was something that he learned from uh, Howard, if Howard even is in his life long enough to be his father. Or maybe he learned that from Symphony. See, that's the thing. I don't know where he got that fatherly paternalness from. Is it from his uncles instead? So I just wonder. Okay. Um, let, let's get uh, Richard's take. So Richard, you know, two-part question. Let us know your thoughts on the, the you know, Howard being, you know, suddenly cured. And then, you know, also let us know your thoughts on what his journey will be like and what his intentions are with Canaan and, and everything like that. Well, in the case of uh, Detective Howard's uh, diagnosis changing, uh, I must admit that I did not detect greatness in how that was handled from a storytelling standpoint. Now, I will say this. What I'm thinking about as a writer, the reason they did that is because Raquel had this extravagant plan to take out Howard. But the thing is, Raquel never knew that Howard had cancer. And it's just in the fact that she had this plan for Caden to take out Howard and still it didn't work. But yet that plan still was enough to help Howard, you know, get the bone marrow transplant that he needed in order to recover. So I understand how they wanted to be slick with the writing from the standpoint and saying that without knowing Raquel actually helped Howard's situation. But I do agree with you, Gary, that the three-month time span, that is a little unrealistic for that for all of that to happen in three months. I feel like if it was six months, that is probably a better timeline for this thing to happen with, with Howard. But again, this is the whole issue that they would have with the show because Omar Epps is a great actor, much like Joey Badass is a great actor. We don't want to see those characters get killed immediately. Well, especially not Joey Badass. I hope he's around for quite some time because he's an excellent villain. And I don't know who the next villain would be after he gets taken out eventually. But um, in, in the case of Omar Epps, this this guy has, you know, we, we've, we've known all the movies he's been in since we were kids. We've seen him in a, a ton of movies. So I kind of feel like they don't want to take him out yet. But what I do feel is now that they have taken the cancer off the table as what's going to take him out, the only direction that they can go in now is that Raquel has to take out Howard. And that's going to leave a very traumatic experience for Kanan because, you know, maybe he may try to find, find form a bond with Howard. We, I mean, we don't know how that's going to go now. But all I'm saying is that I, I do think that Howard, now that he doesn't have the cancer, he may make an attempt to reach out to Kanan. I do think that he is going to try to connect with him in some way, shape, or form. And I do think eventually he's going to tell him what Raquel never told him. But again, we'll have to see how that plays out because that's the one discussion we had last year when we, when we recorded this show is that when was Kanan going to find out the truth about who his father is? 
And I kind of feel like they may answer that question at some point this season. But uh, I feel like now that Howard doesn't have the cancer and he can't, and he's not coming to Canaan about asking about a bone marrow transplant. Now you can just get to the heart of the matter of why are you trying to talk to Canaan? So I want to see how they address that. I do think that Howard has good intentions to try and connect with Canaan, but I also think that he also wants to get back at Raquel because of the fact of how all this situation played out. And I do think that Raquel, even though, uh, Patina Miller is an excellent actress and Raquel is a very ruthless character that you like. She has complexities as well. I do think at some point this season, because she wants all of this power, that's going to come with some consequences. And I'm curious to see what that's going to do because it's going to reveal some areas of weakness that the character has. And that's going to be when it's going to be, she's truly going to be tested to see what she can do once that happens. But as far as the Howard situation is concerned, I do agree the three months, that was a rather quick turnaround time for that for all of this stuff to happen. It's, it, is, it is convenient to the extent, but I guess I, I do want to see where they're going with it. But yes, it was convenient, so we have to call it out 100%. <laughs> yeah, great points. And um, I guess at the end of the episode, it looks like Howard and Raquel are about to have a conversation like so. I'm wondering what the nature of that convo will be like. Like, um, you know, is I wonder if Raquel is going to basically be like, you know, stay away from my son. You know, you better you better keep your mouth shut, not say anything. Or I wonder if Howard is going to be threatening to her and basically say, you know, I have my eyes on you. I'm watching you. Um, you know, if if you don't let me into my son's life, I'm going to take you down. Or You know, I, I wonder what direction that conversation will go you know, when those two speak, um, you know, do you guys have any thoughts on that? You know, um, just briefly before we move on, go ahead, Rich. Well, well, one thing I will say is that this entire episode, Howard is telling everybody he doesn't remember anything. And you know, when Raquel has the conversation to Canaan, she says that Howard is, that Howard is out of the hospital, but he don't remember nothing. But the thing is, as viewers, we knew last season in the finale, Howard knew he didn't forget nothing. He was telling everybody that he forgot all this other stuff because you saw how uneasy he was at the end of the season when he, you know, went, because he, so, so I, I, my guess is that he did remember, he had to have remembered something. So I guess my, my, my guess for this particular thing is that he probably is going to let her know that he does, he, that he recalls some information, some stuff that might've happened. Um, and he, and, and maybe he will threaten to, maybe he will threaten her. I mean, I mean, the thing is, is that from the standpoint of the fact that he almost lost his life, he should be threatening her anyway, because the plan was unsuccessful. So I'm thinking that that's what he is going to present her with a threat and say, you need to do this. And I definitely want it because we know last season he was already threatening her to say, listen, you need to do this. And I want to see Canaan. So I kind of feel like it's going to be more of the same in terms of when they actually have their conversation. So we'll see how it goes down. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, so Dana, you know, just very briefly, you know, you don't have to say too much, but like, just, just let us know where you think that conversation might go, you know, with, uh, with Howard and Raquel, like what, what what's going to be the basis of that conversation, do you think? Well, 
I think, you know, Raquel and, and Howard, they, they both know each other very well. And Howard, by we know that he, that he knows things and he didn't really lose any kind of memory. So I do feel that right now that he has the advantage in this situation where he can somewhat manipulate the situation in his favor. Thing is, Raquel also is at a situation where, because of her sociopathic ways, I don't think she will care. And as you guys previously alluded to, it would have to be Raquel who finally takes him out. But that's, I feel that we're missing another point here. It's Howard's sidekick that we really should be paying attention to. While she does not have the entire information of everything, she's perceptive and she's nosy. And what happens when nosy and perceptive comes together? It ends up investigating more things and really young, so she has all that attention and she's able to go in and sneak into things that actually care about stuff. You know, when you're all young, that energy to do stuff that as you get older, you no longer care about because it's not about you anymore. I feel that she is the bigger card in this. And whatever happens to Howard, she will be able to be the one who to blow the whistle on. So even though he's not giving her all that information, he still has someone in her in his corner. So that's that's what I feel about this. That that is an excellent point. I do think Howard's partner, uh Buck. I think she is one to watch. Like, I think she is a dark horse in this. Um, she's noticing a lot of things about Howard. Um, so, yeah, I think I think there's going to be something, you know, with her involved um, in this season. So, yeah, uh, def- I'm, I'm definitely watching that character closely. But, um, yeah, let's get to some, some other things, um, you know, while we still have some time here. So... Let's see, what should I go with first? Um, okay, so uh, Richard brought up that, you know, Laverne slash Jukebox, you know, she um, she's obviously still mad at her father, Marvin, um, over what happened last season when they had, you know, the big fallout, the big, you know, fight and everything. Um, and, you know, there was the scene in this episode where Laverne finds that photo of her of a baby and with her mother, and we know that this character has been casted in, in the season. Um, so, you know, I want to ask you guys, like, what do you think, you know, uh, what would actually happen if if Jukebox went looking for her mother and how would it affect her? And would it also have a ripple effect on her relationship with her father? So, you know, what do you think about that? So who should I go with? Um I'm going to go with you first, Rich. What do you think of that? That's a very good question. Um, I mean, I feel like the whole thing that needs to be explained is that why Marvin is no longer with the mother. So I kind of feel like a lot of those questions will get answered. And I will make a guess that maybe things did not end well between um, her and Marvin. And so that definitely can leave a, a ripple effect on how Jukebox views Marvin now because she's 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 very disgusted by 
him in this episode, she's disgusted, especially as you can see, because she has not forgotten what has happened and she's not ready to even have a talk with him about any of this stuff. Um, he also has his own issues that he has to continue to work through. So I'm very curious to see. Now, I will say, I will say this, and this is again going back from last season. There was a conversation that they did have in that heated moment between Marvin and Jukebox, where he made a comment about once he found out that Marvin that that Jukebox likes the girls, he said that's probably something you learn from your mother. I remember that comment because that stood out when they had that conversation. So I don't know what that means. I guess that we're going to have to see what it means, and maybe it'll be explored, or maybe it was just something he said because he has he's bitter about how things ended with her. I mean, I don't know. But the whole thing is that whenever there is a kid that two people two people get together, they decide to have a kid, and then they have a breakout, sometimes the parents usually use the kid as a way to vent about how they don't like the other, the other parent. I, I've seen that happen in various families to an extent it's, and that's not how a kid should be uh, utilized in any of those type of situations, but just in the reality of the situation, I definitely think, like you say, Gary, I, whatever happens between jukebox and her mom, it is going to impact what happens with Marvin to an extent and how she views him. I feel, um, but we, I guess we have to wait and see which direction they're going to take that because at this point when the episode ends, she sees the photo so we can assume that maybe she is going to try to find out some information about her mom, but we'll have to wait and see where that actually goes from here. But we'll see. Oh, yeah. Great points. The, uh, you know, R Richard has a, a memory like an elephant, man. Like he, he, remembers everything. <laughs> <laughs> he remembers, yeah, that that comment from Marvin. That's a good point. You know, that, that shows that there, there must have been something that happened between Marvin and the mom. Um, so yeah, I guess, I guess we'll find out, but Dana, what's your thoughts? You know, what, uh, just to say the question again and phrase it again for you. So what do you think will, would happen if Laverne slash jukebox goes looking for her mother and how would that affect her, you know, current relationship with her father at the moment? See, that little tiny nugget of information that Richard passed over, I completely forgot. So it kind of reshapes my answer. Um, if they do go that route, one of two things can happen. There's the whole love and acceptance part, which we all wish and would hope for, that Jukebox is comforted and finds understanding and love. And it's something that, you know, we need more of on television. Not all, you know, struggling gay character, but the loved one would be really nice. Or it could go the way that, you know, normally other shows have gone in portrayals of gay where the mother was gay or is gay, sorry, is gay. And because of, you know, that lifestyle not being accepted, she tries really hard to live this straight life. And when she sees Jukebox and Jukebox tells her her story, that she shuns her for that, you know? No, that's part of the devil. I don't know yet where her mother ended up. I don't know if she becomes one of these God-fearing church ladies who ends up rebuilding her life and has a whole new family and, you know, is praying the gay away. 
for herself and and, and, and prays, tries to pray it away for jukebox as well. Um, I hope that doesn't happen. But it seems that and then it would just create more isolation for jukebox. And the only other person that she can kind of go to and rely on is Howard's honor, who kind of showed her some form of understanding and protection. So that's one of the things. Or she can completely shun that as well. And it's just her and she dives into her music because we did see, you know, we know that she's a singer. Um, and as musicians and as artists, they tend to channel their pain into their music. So she could use that to channel that into her music. I feel that so it's so many different possibilities of which it could go. I genuinely want the mother to be open and accepting and for a jukebox to feel, you know, that she's loved and appreciated and wanted. You also say so there's also another layer of that. She's deal. She's a kid who may have felt like she's unwanted by her mother. Do you remember my mom? What was she like? She's yearning for these questions. She wants to know and she wants to, to reach out to her. She needs some kind of stability and she needs someone who is a parent who is able to love and guide her. Yes, you can say you have Raquel, but Raquel at the end of the day is not her mother. And that's a whole different kind of relationship that they have. I love and protect you, but you ain't my kid. I can love from it's still not my kid so to reach out to her biological mother is much different so what i hope again is that she finds acceptance in that um but the way how this story then you get testament to how just good the story is written, aside from that howard i'm suddenly cured situation is any path can be taken from any of these characters and believable because it's just the beginning of their story. We know how it ends, but we don't know how it started. And there's many a times where, you know, things started out really positive and we're, we're doing something. And then all, all of a sudden it ends up tragically. Jukebox could easily, I don't know, Beyonce of the 90s. But we don't know what ends up turning, what ends up, we know the end, but we don't know that, that story. So I would really wish that she finds some kind of stability and, you know, later on something else happens and she ends up being the jukebox that we know, but this is decades later, you know, uh, so anything can happen, but I would just wish for that love and understanding and acceptance because jukebox is just struggling and she's been struggling all of season one. Forget the fact that she had a fight with Marvin, forget about her sexuality. She's just been struggling and she reaches out to Kanan, but that's her cousin. It's not the same as a mother. Yeah, and and I really like that you brought up, um, you know, the the dynamic between Raquel and uh, Jukebox, because um, you know, like you said, that's not her mother, but she she's offered her her home, and you know, she looks out for her and stuff. But you know, on a deeper level, like I always get the sense, like when those two characters are on screen, like it always seems like those two are the smartest characters in the room. Like, like their their emotional intelligence is higher than everyone else's. So it's like, to me, sometimes it feels like uh, Jukebox knows um, Raquel's manipulative nature, but she's immune to it. Like sometimes, like it feel kind of feels like that. Like, and uh, so you know, obviously she can't kind of 
look to Raquel for for I guess the uh, the care and nurturing that she needs after what happened with Marvin. Like she because she needs a special kind of care to kind of get over that. I guess, and I don't think she can get that from Raquel because she you know she can see completely through uh, Raquel's act and what she's trying to do, um, and she won't let herself be manipulated by her. So I think that could be part of the reason why she feels she needs to maybe, you know, look for her mother and and find out more about her or something. Uh, But you was going to say something, Daniel? Yeah. And then on top of that, you have the whole death of the, of the girlfriend on that and that loss of first love. And then the guilt of, did I kill her? No one stated that out loud. No one's blaming her for that out loud, except for her parent, the girl's parents, but she still carries that guilt of her dying, maybe all responsible for her. And there's nothing more you can reach to your mother to understand what it's like to, you know, my first love, maybe not be dead, but my first love is, is no longer here in terms of we don't have the relationship anymore. How do I move on? You know, instead of, you know, being scolded for, oh, my gosh, you take drugs. She's just looking for someone who understands her. And just show her some form of acceptance. And there's so much out that he's not able to tap into. He's not in tune to his own child or really to anything that, you know, requires a deep level of understanding. So that that is also why I hope that it works out between Jukebox and her mother. And also another thing I really question, just in general, women tend to get custody of their kids just in general. So we know that she completely walked away from the family. We know that there wasn't any kind of courts involved. So I want to know what did you, that was one so shameful for her that she had to walk away and, and completely just pull ties with her Marvin. Cause you know, we walk away from a man. Great. But your own kid, what really happened there? Usually it's like, I'm leaving you and I'm taking the kid. But you left the kid too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, some some great thoughts there. But Rich, did you have uh, anything else to add to that? Oh no, I was going to say yeah. I think Dana took the words out of my mouth. Those are great questions that we have to ask. Uh, so I'll be curious to see what happens if Jukebox eventually does catch up to her, and what they actually talk about. Indeed, indeed. So. Yeah, I'm going to get to the final question now because uh, so so we can end out soon. But um, so, um, you know, we, we, we kind of see that Kanan is a little reluctant to be involved with what Raquel has going on at this point. But we, you know, like Rich said, we do know what Kanan turns out to be later in life, you know, through the, through the, the main power series. Right. So I want to ask you guys a question of what you see being that turning point that might make him go back on that path again um and you know richard brought up you know the fact that it's it seems like raquel would have to take out howard or something so do you think maybe that could be something that might you know make him switch up again um you know if he gets close to howard and then you know maybe loses him or something of that nature um because to me, it seems like Raquel is going to be around for a long time. She might be there till the final season, I think. So I don't think 
she's going anywhere, but like, you know, Howard, I think he, you know, he could, uh, for, for like an, a very emotional moment, I think he could be taken out, you know, at some point. So do you think that could be a turning point that makes him go back on the path of Kanan or, you know, what do you think might happen and could it happen in this season? So, um, I see, I see some words on Richard's lips right now. So I'm, I'm going to go to him first. Like, what's up, Richard? What do you think of that? That is an excellent question because it reminds me there's one thing in this episode we did not talk about, and that is Kanan's very good friend, Famous, and the fact that now he smokes, he's into weed. So there's a situation here. This is pretty dangerous, right? Um, I feel like, you know, when I when I spoke about this episode after with Dana, she made a very good point. You said now Famous feels like Chris Rock in uh, New Jack City. We know what happens to that character at some point in there. So, I mean, the fact that he is into smoking weed now, that's a bit of a problem. Uh, so I, I'm, I, I kind of feel like if something happens to Famous, that could be a moving point for Kanan. Obviously, maybe him and Jukebox will have another falling out situation uh, as the season goes on. But I just feel like the loss of innocence of Kanan other people that are close to him that pass away or whatever, that could be what ultimately puts him down the, the, the bad path. But we have to wait and see, because I don't know how they're going to tell that story. Yeah. Yeah. Great points. Yeah. Famous. That something could definitely happen there because the, the way they're presenting the character, it seems like they're, they're definitely setting something up there. Um, you know, just the, the shift uh, that he's had in his character, you know, smoking and everything. So yeah, it seems like they're setting something up, but, um, and, and that seems to be like his main go-to friend at the moment. Of course he has, you know, jukebox, but she's family, but like, you know, outside of that famous is like his go-to kind of friend, you know, that outside kind of connection and everything. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if something happens there and that affects him. So, yeah, good point. But what about you, Dana? What do you think could be the turning point for Kanan? I was originally going to say his mother dying because she has such a manipulative hold on him that he tries to break away and he maybe gets a little lazy with certain situations because he, as he stated before, there's got to be something else out there. This is so far all he knows except for that nation when he was able to uh, be free a little bit. You know, we had a little bit of him trying to go to the school in the first season, but, you know, being so determined to learn how to shoot a gun and, and be by his mother's side and to run things. Um, but as you guys said, I mean, Raquel is such a powerful force. I'm stuck because we had characters that were such powerful forces before in terms of if you look at the wire with that whole Omar situation or some peace and how that happened. But it would make sense to have Raquel stay for more seasons because there's such a really great dynamic together. I do feel that I don't know the answer to this question. I can't even think of the answer to this question. It honestly would have to be something really personal. And the only person who is really close to him would be Jukebox, which we know nothing happens to her because we know how that situation ends up. And, and his mother, I don't even really think Famous. Famous would be hurt. 
but if he died, but I don't really feel that that Canaan would see it's not fair. Remember? Nope, can't say that. I feel that I don't know the answer to this question. That's my answer. I would have to strongly say that it would be Raquel, but I don't feel that they're taking Raquel out. Maybe in, I don't know, season seven, they would take her out. But right now. And so I would like him to continue on this journey of straddling the fence and not knowing what's really going on and and struggling with wanting to be, I'm a real boy and a drug addict. I said drug addict, sorry. So that's my answer because I I honestly don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to listen to Howard all of a sudden. Um, I'm changing my answer. uh, Maybe Howard, maybe Howard, because Canaan is slow to realize certain things that, like, for example, his mother is manipulating him. If Howard is really determined to meet his son, he could plant certain seeds in his brain. But then again, at the same time, Kanan has such a strong bond with Raquel that I don't really see that being easy to do. But also at the same time, Raquel has lied to Kanan before, and Kanan has figured it out, but much later. Maybe there's that crack that could slowly end up spreading. But I don't really believe in that answer either. So that's my answer. Yeah, no, it's, it's 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 definitely a plausible thought there, um, and it it could also be a series of occurrences. It could be you know multiple things that build up that make him change. So yeah, I think you know a lot of the things we've talked about could be things that happen for sure. You know, definitely, you know, Raquel's manipulation, and then you know Howard, you know, whatever his fate will be, and then you know, um, famous. And then, you know, um, a character we didn't really get to, we, we don't have time to ask about Unique, uh, but, you know, he he's going to be up to something, I'm sure. Um, and, you know, he could kind of bring some some heat to the family. You know, he could put the, the, the family in some dangerous situations. And, you know, that could force Kanan to feel like he has to step up and play, you know, play a certain part. So... There could be a number of things that make him kind of switch up. But um, but yeah, I think we, we've got some good thoughts here and I can't wait to, to see what the people think. Also, um, you know, if, if you do want to mention Unique, um, we do. I, we are going to have final thoughts in a sec. So, you know, you could bring that up or anything else. Um, but yeah, just, uh, you know, we're, we're going to close off this segment here, you know, questions and discussions. And, you know, just another reminder to the people, if you've enjoyed this show, please do, you know, leave a like, um, drop your comments, let us know your thoughts, your theories, what you think might happen this season, and also hit that subscribe button. And, you know, let us know what what content you want to see from us more and more, you know, because I have been watching a lot of TV shows lately, I, I will say that. So, and I know there's some stuff people might want us to cover. You know, I'm finally watching the Wu-Tang series. You know, uh, we've been watching some other stuff. So, yeah, there, 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 there's there's opportunity to talk about other shows. 
Um, and, you know, it, it won't always be a week and every week situation like Powercast. But yeah, so that there are other shows that we might be able to cover. So, so let us know what you guys want to see more of in the comments also. But um, yeah, that is going to be it for our questions and discussions. We are going to get into the closing of the show. But before we, you know, we get to shout outs and stuff, we do get one last final thought. Let us know your final thoughts of this episode. You know, just one. So we're going to go around the board. Um, my final thought is... Um, I like there was a moment that um, stood out to me a little bit at the end where, you know, 50 does his voiceover thing. And, um, you know, he kind of he flips the wire, like a, a quote from the wire, because in the wire, there was like always this this saying that Avon and, and um, Stringer had where you only do two days in jail. You do the day you walk in and the day you walk out. And, you know, in this 50 kind of flips that, you know, um, and he says, like, uh, what, what does he say? He says, the day you go in, the day you get out. Um, I don't have the full quote, but it's something to the extent of, um, you know, you, he, he doesn't believe in that quote, like, basically. But, yeah, he kind of just flips the whole thing. And I just like the callback because I think if you are a fan of these shows, you are going to remember that quote. Because it's it's very you know familiar to the situation, so um, it, it feels like you know when Avon got out of prison in season three, you know, because he was locked up for a while, and then he gets out in season three. So you know, unique getting out is is it's almost like a callback to to when Avon got out and things got crazy again. So I like that. I like how you know he kind of played into that. And of course, you know, he's working with a lot of uh, cast from The Wire now. You know, we, we're seeing a lot of The Wire people in these shows. So uh, I love that. I love that 50 always kind of pays homage to, to that show because so many, you know, so many of us love it. But um, yeah, that's my final thought for the episode. Um, how about you, Dana? You got a final thought? Um, one of the things that I just really loved about is like the quota books kind of that you go in and you go out situation. I didn't connect it to the wire. Um, but one of the things that I was um, when we're saying we're, oh, he goes, shows the manipulation behind that and how she's, you could say, oh, she wants to protect him. I think it's more of a control situation. Um, another one is everybody is guilty of something. That's when unique is gets out of jail. Um, so that one also is about, you know, everybody got something. They, it's pretty self, you, it's right there. You know what it means. Um, also kind of going into the master manipulation that is you that is Raquel, is that she says she goes to Kanan's room and gives him a glass of milk. for it. And then she says, why can't you ever stay a kid? And then proceeds to manipulate him. After he states, I don't think this life is for me. And then previously we had the voiceover with 50 Cent basically saying, you ever shoot someone and miss? He is, you have to get shooting. So it, and you have that and it goes to show how his mother, I feel, because Kanan with the voiceovers we're getting is an adult Kanan looking back on his past. So it just goes to point out kind of, the mother, I feel, is the one who pushes him into this life. 
continues to push him. He goes from, I want to do it to like, oh, really? You want to do it? And now you don't want to do it anymore. That parent who forces you into something after you keep proclaiming, you don't want to do it. Um, so that is another one. And then another one is when Kanan is having a panic attack when he goes back to New York City. And he's like, I, when Raquel says, I got you, you know, I got you. Does she really got him? Or see, that's when I question, when is the line between love and manipulation? I love you as much as I can control you, or do I genuinely love you? That's just, just this my rant, sorry, on Raquel, because I really, I can't stand Raquel at this moment, which is a good thing. That's how good the writing is. And also, real, one really quick thing, Scrap. Scrap is running around blind, but he has a gambling problem. So I'm wondering how that is going to stretch out over this season because that's his weakness. And we know that, you know, if, once they find a weakness in you, they're able to get you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think... Uh... The, 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 I think they're setting something up for the scrap character, just you know, from the just from some of the things that happen, you know, with him kind of being a bit salty in this episode about things. Um, yeah, I, I think I think some things are going to happen with that character. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on Scrappy for sure. But um, Rich, do you have any final thoughts? Oh no, I think you I think you both said a lot of the same things that I'm thinking about. My final thought, yes, great, great episode, great, great, great premiere episode. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next week. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Awesome. So, yeah, let's have a quick round of shout-outs, too, also. So, Dana, any shout-outs from you? Yeah, basic uh, – um, I just want – Wanting to shout out everyone who listens to us and thank you for tuning in. We have a lot more, as you kind of stated and alluded to before. We do a lot of shows. We have a lot of interviews coming up. We're doing a lot of season finale. We're doing a lot of new shows that are coming. So it will be very diverse. Also, check out the website because we have interviews with a lot of people that are in movies and TV shows and game things that's popping off so keep an eye on the website and also keep an eye on the youtube where we have a lot of interviews and commentary that's going on i'm in the middle of like three different press events that are happening um including she-hawk we got some she-hawk situation and also raising canaan fans we have a lot of content that is coming up in regards to raising canaan so that should be very good and and happy and so please check up on that because it's going to be very busy oh yeah busy indeed uh dana's she she's always she she's living a superstar life she's always doing a lot you know in the entertainment field so shouts to you um rich you got any shouts (laughs) i'm living a stressed life (laughs) (laughs) so yeah first and foremost i want to give a shout out to the both of you always enjoy doing these shows together um, I look forward to us uh, continuing to cover Raising Canaan as well as the other shows uh, in the months ahead. I definitely want to give a special shout out to everybody that has been supporting the PowerCast all this time. I know when we did the uh, Power Force season finale, that episode was a lot of fun. And I saw that there was a lot of people, a lot of positive feedback to the episode as well. So I just want to say this. If you did watch that episode, 
you you enjoyed it, and you know that Razor Kanan is a better show, please do consider liking this episode as well, commenting so that we can make this episode, you know, get an even better response than that last episode. But yeah, I just want to take a minute to thank you all for checking out our show continuously. And we look forward to coming back next week and continuing to talk about Razor Kanan as well as the other power shows. So stay tuned for that, for sure. Oh, yeah. I, I hope we uh, get some of the, you know, big shouts to, to the people who do follow this show. I hope we get some of the the, 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 the normal people who usually leave comments, you know, Rainy J and everyone. Um, looking forward to seeing, you know, some of these some of these names again. Um, and also quick shouts to 50 because he he did do an interview recently on a radio show. Um, I, I forget the name of the radio, but it's to do with his, uh, cause he's doing like a big show in Texas. Um, but he does briefly talk about the TV shows that he has in circulation and it kind of gives a glimpse into what the timeline might be for these different shows. Um, he says that, you know, Raising Canaan's coming back and then they're going to do the BMF documentary and there might be, um, I mean, he didn't say this for sure, but he hinted at the fact that there might be a BMF season after the documentary and then Ghost and then back into Force. So, you know, it's, from here on, I think it's going to be like, you know, nonstop beach of like these shows back to back to back. So, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be uh, it's going to be crazy, you know, covering all these shows. But we, we do love this and we're here for the people. But um, yeah, that's that's all the shout-outs I got. Go ahead, Dana. Um, just to say really quickly, he has another show that's coming out that is hip-hop mixed. That's all I can say because I don't know dates of embargoes. Oh, wow. Can't, can't wait to hear that one. Can't wait to hear that announcement. Um, I'm going to have to... I'm definitely going to have to pick Dana's brain after this one, after we get off air. But, um, but yeah... So that is it for this week. Thanks for joining us, people. Uh, Leave your comments, like the video and everything. We'll see you next week. And I hope you guys enjoyed the next episode of Raising Canaan and the Powercast. Peace out.